I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily life, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Do you ever have a quiet moment to yourself? I have seven children, so you can imagine the answer to that question if you were to turn it to me. Uh, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I had to, I needed some silence. Uh, I needed some time where I could spend some time in prayer and be listening for the voice of God. And, and I knew that I wasn't going to get it around the house. I wasn't just going to be able to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple of days off and just pray here because it, it can get a little noisy when you've got seven children around the house. Uh, and so what I did, I, I, packed up, and with the permission and blessing of my wife, I went out to Clear Creek Monastery, which is a, a lovely Benedictine community out in uh, Holbert, Oklahoma. And I spent three days out there. And I spent three days out there because I knew that if I only took a day and went to sit down and pray and uh, and spent time in the liturgy of the hours with monks and went to Mass, that I would not have a quiet moment. Now, wait a second, you might say. Uh, you said you were going out to do a silent retreat at a monastery with a whole bunch of people who who are not supposed to talk. <laughs> what do you mean you're not going to have a quiet moment? Well, silence is more than just the absence of noise. Because as soon as that noise shuts down externally, the internal noise starts up. And very often as I try to quiet myself down and try to get a quiet moment... Uh, every little temptation to distraction pops up. And I don't even necessarily have very clear thoughts. I have thoughts like turning a radio dial where you hear just a lot of little bitty phrases and, and f incoherent noise, really. And so I knew that I needed three days because it was going to take me some bit of time to be able to quiet that down and to enter into some modicum of silence. Now, obviously, the longer you have available, the deeper that silence is going to be. And you may think, well, there's no hope for me to ever have silence if that's what you're describing because uh, I, I don't have that much time to give away, to go somewhere to encounter this silence. So we're going to talk today with Sister Melissa Moxley. She's the Formation Directress of the Marian Sisters of the Diocese of Lincoln, and what she does there with the sisters is she works with the, the postulants, those people who are uh, testing out the waters, seeing if they want to enter into religious life. Uh, so the postulants and the novices, those who have just now made their, their first dedication, their first vow uh, to come into the, the convent. Uh, and she works with them to begin to encounter silence in a deep way. And she's going to talk with us about some, some practical steps that we can take to incorporate silence into our lives as lay people, but also uh, help us really to define what we're looking for when we say silence. It's not about calming out the exterior noise. It's about calming our spirits uh, into a place where we can commune with God, where we can talk to God, where we can hear God talking to us. And to some extent, we addressed a little bit of that uh, over the course of this Lent. We've had some fabulous shows this Lent. Here we are coming in the, the, the end of the fourth week. So if you, if you missed some of them, 
I invite you to come over to OutsideTheWalls.com and look through the archives. The first week we talked about the Shroud of Turin and, and through that, how we encounter the Paschal mystery of God. The second week we talked about encountering our own dependence on God uh, and our own inability uh, to, to bring ourselves salvation, that we cannot rely on ourselves. We talked about what we can learn from Judas and from Peter in their response uh, to the Passion. Uh, then we talked about the relics, the treasures of the church, that we encounter the, the communion of the saints and realizing that we're not alone, that we're part of the one church, the universal church, the one that's both uh, in heaven and on earth, uh, and together glorifying God as we encounter these intercessors. And then last week, we talked about penance, encountering what really matters, right? A lot of times we think that uh, the, the, all of the many activities that we have before us, those are the things that we have to get done. That's the important and the urgent activities. And our relationship with God gets second burner because it's, you know, it's deferred, right? That's going to pay off eventually. And, and so as we engage ourselves in penance, we begin to change our prescription on our eyes and we begin to see the things that are eternal and the things that last. And as we do this, as we experience uh, the Paschal mystery and what Christ has done for us, as we experience our own weakness, as we experience the, the intercession of the saints, and as we experience our uh, uh, reconditioning our eyes to see the eternal, that's going to put us in a place where now we're ready to hear the voice of God, right? A lot of times we have to go through that penance before we can really be attuned to hear God. If, if we were to do silence without proceeding that with that penance, uh, it wouldn't necessarily do anything. If we came into it with a, some sense that we could rely on ourselves, uh, that silence wouldn't do, any, do us any good. But here we are. We've come through this journey, this, this uh, Lenten pilgrimage, and we've come to a place where we're ready to experience silence to experience uh, the absence of, of those distractions that try to pull us away from God so that we can clearly hear his voice. And just like with penance, this is uncomfortable. We don't like silence. We don't like all of the distractions being stripped away. We like our distractions. And yet when they are stripped away from us, we're left alone with our thoughts. We're left alone with... Uh, with what we really think of ourselves. But we're also left alone with a tender and compassionate presence of God that comes to us and draws us to himself so that we can fully experience not just the passion, but the resurrection, that we can experience new life in Christ. Don't go anywhere. We're going to have a great conversation with Sister Melissa Moxley right after this. Join the conversation over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Come tell me about a time where you encountered God in the midst of silence. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And over the course of this Lenten season, we have been preparing ourselves to encounter the, the mystery and the power of the resurrection of Christ. Uh, first, we encountered that Paschal mystery, the, the passion of our Lord. Uh, and we, we did that through exploring the Shroud of Turin. And then we turned our attention uh, to our own inability uh, to, to make things work. Our, we are not self-reliant. So we talked about what we can learn from Judas and from Peter. We encountered the fact that the, all of the saints are praying for us. And then we encountered uh, our own need for penance. And so today, we're talking about silence. We're almost there. We're almost to Holy Week. We're almost to Easter. And so these last couple of weeks, let's take some time to explore our need for silence. Uh, it's not something that our world offers us very often. And so we're going to take some time today to unpack this topic. And to do that, we have Sister Melissa Moxley. She's the formation directress for the Marian Sisters of the Diocese of Lincoln. Find them over at MarianSisters.org. Sister Melissa, thank you for joining us today. You are welcome. I'm very happy to be here with you. So, first of all, there are a number of religious orders out in the world. Uh, tell me, first off, as we get started, what is, what's the charism, what's the general uh, direction of the Marian Sisters specifically, and what drew you to the Marian Sisters as opposed to any of the other orders that are out there? Okay, first of all, I'd just like to say a little bit about um, our history, because it has a lot to do with our charism. Um, we have, our sisters actually originated from the Czech Republic. We had two foundresses, Sister Marta and Sister Teresa from Bruna, Czech Republic, and they were the Mercy Sisters of St. Francis. And communism took over their country after World War II. And so our sisters had to escape in the underground, um, to find religious freedom. And that's kind of the beginnings of how our story began. And they really had to trust in God and have this deep faith, not knowing where that would lead them. Um, there was a Czech bishop, Bishop Kuchera, who heard of our sisters, especially Sister Teresa, and got them over to the United States. Since we were the Franciscan sisters in Bruno, the Mercy sisters, we kept our identity as the Franciscan sisters. So we lived the third order. Mm -hmm. And basically, after much prayer, um, we concluded that we felt our charism was doing God's will joyfully in imitation of Mary and St. Francis. And because our sisters had that courage to escape, like Mary, they gave their fiat, um, trying to follow God's will. That's how it kind of all came together. But we still keep that Franciscan heritage being third order. Mm -hmm. Now, what drew you to this specific order uh, as opposed to any other religious life? Well, I have to say, with the call to religious life, there's a call to religious life, and then there's a call to the order specifically. Mm -hmm. And you are drawn by that charism. So each person who's called to a different, to different orders, their charism matches yours. And so what drew me to our sisters was this joy. I saw this peace and joy that I wanted and desired, and I wanted to just be with them because of their great love for the Lord. But then 
um, I could experience their spirit and this Holy Spirit that was working within them drew me to our community. Great. So now you're working as the, the formation directress. You're, you're dealing with new postulants and novices and helping them adjust to life uh, in, in the religious life. And one of the things that I'm assuming you're going to come up against every single time with every single person is trying to adjust to silence, to, to a slower pace, to not being so rushed to, to do every single thing, but to, to leave space for the Holy Spirit. Uh, talk about when someone first comes into the order. What, how do you begin to adjust them to, to, to silence? Well, I, I will say, um, honestly, when they first come in, it's really by immersion <laughs> because they're, um, it's like jumping in the ocean, um, in a certain sense. Um, so they might first have to like really go through some withdrawal, especially from their phones because they can't take their phones with them. Um, when they come, we're asking them to shut off their Facebook accounts. Um, they're not having not able to have their own phones. Um, they can email, they keep their email just only for like necessary communications. Um, so it is pretty like a boot camp, <laughs> like a hardcore of jumping in, but at the same time, it's almost necessary mm -hmm. um, for them to begin their religious life. And so it may be hard for them, yes, to adjust to um, maybe not having their phone on, like they might feel like, oh my gosh, I, my phone is um, buzzing on me, but I don't have a phone. Right. <laughs> so they might actually feel that for a minute. But I've noticed that pretty quickly, like within a couple of months, they're already experiencing the freedom of silence that it draws them to our Lord and they don't want it mm -hmm. um, because they see how much greater their desire for Jesus and everything is being fulfilled through the silence. And that's why they're here. Right. They know they left the world. They know they had things of the world and it wasn't satisfying and they wanted more. So when they come here, they are expecting to encounter Jesus. And so for that to happen, silence has to happen. Mm -hmm. If you're just joining us, we're talking today with sister Melissa Moxley. She's the formation directress for the Marian Sisters of the Diocese of Lincoln, working with the postulants and the novices, helping them acclimate to silence and to the rhythms of religious life. Now, a lot of times we think of, of silence as the absence of noise. Right. Uh, but but it's, it's a bigger thing than that, because at least for my part, when I put myself in a place where I uh, remove myself from noise, all of a sudden, my internal monologue gets a lot louder. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Um, just the quiet doesn't mean that that's exactly silence. I will say, but the exterior silence can lead you to interior silence. So you almost need the exterior silence that will help you enter into actually actively hearing our Lord, but it, you might have to go through a lot of uncharitable chatter within your, the noise within your heart that has to be purified. Um, so then you can actually communicate with God. So definitely 
Um, exterior silence doesn't mean um, the greater interior silence, but it can lead, it leads us there. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about part of the charism for the Marian sisters is to live out that fiat, that let it be done to me according to your will. And, and I, I have these two pictures in my head of, of silence. One is the person who's <laughs> alone on a desert island and who's, who's driving themselves uh, a little bit crazy with the fact that there's no one to talk to. And, right. the, and the other is St. Francis, who's living in a cave for a time, completely removed from the world. And the difference, I think, is the, the fiat. It's to say, okay, I'm going to allow myself to be humbled so that I can listen for the voice of God and not just try to have a conversation with, you know, the, the, the Wilson um, uh, volleyball that's here, to, you know, exactly. just so I can have some conversant partner. Right. Um, so really, I, I believe silence is a state of mind and a state of heart um, living in the presence of God. And it leads us to integrity and purity of heart. Um, and for this to happen, really, um, we have to stop and enter into some of the exterior silence and actual prayer for us to actually experience the interior. So it might be for a while that we have to struggle with our interior selves um, to be purified. And so that does take time mm-hmm. to you come to a certain peace because lots of times we don't want to face ourselves. Silence allows us to face ourselves. Usually we want to escape and go the other way or run away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to joke because lots of people think when they're coming to the comment, oh, you're running away from your problems. Why would you do something like that? And then in, in all reality, you are running towards God and you're going to face yourself and face those problems in, in your interior. Mm-hmm. That's why I encourage folks, whenever you go on a, a retreat and you're going to spend some time to try and uh, build yourself up spiritually and, and experience God, you, you need to make sure. Uh, I tried a couple of times where I'd go for a day and it, and it just wouldn't do it because I couldn't get past my own conversation with myself. I realized I, at the very least, need two days just to get it quiet enough to even begin to have that conversation with God uh, because I my thought process just chatters. And just as you mentioned, it's the place where you come face to face with yourself. You know, as we go throughout the day, we have plenty of things that can distract us uh, where we don't really do a whole lot of introspection and self-reflection. And man, when you hit the, the point where there's nothing to distract you, not only is it quiet, but there's, there's no task to do, or there's no, uh, there's no little thing that can keep your mind off of your own thoughts. Now, all of a sudden, you're faced with the reality of, of who you are in, in all, of its, uh, all of its ugliness, I think. Um, we, when, we, when we sit alone in silence, we don't reflect on how wonderful we are. We think of everything uh, that we don't like. And it's in that moment that we can allow God to come in and give that over to him. Say, okay, I'm not happy with who I am. So here I am, God. Uh, take me. Exactly. And I think as we more and more, as we come into that silence, we see and we're actively listening. Then this is a place of discernment, really. 
because then there's movements in our hearts that are happening and we're starting to discern what is, how is God speaking to me or the enemy speaking to me? And a lot of the stuff that is the chatter and the noise is usually the enemy speaking to me. Um, and that's usually lies, lies about ourselves, lies about other people. And so we're coming in contact with that so that we can reject what is not of God and what is of God. And then we come, come to know who we are, our identity and our Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and in order for us to, to really come to understand our identity in Christ Jesus, we need to be listening uh, to right. what to what he says. And so some of that, we listen to him in prayer, but we also spend time getting to know who is this God of the universe? What is his character? Uh, and and then we can begin to discern whether or not that, that thought that we're having is in keeping with God's character or not. Exactly. <laughs> We're talking today with Sister Melissa Moxley, Formation Directress for the Marian Sisters of the Diocese of Lincoln. Go take a look at MarianSisters.org. We're going to continue this conversation right after the break as we explore the concept of silence and how to incorporate silence into our spiritual life uh, for the benefit of our spiritual growth. Join us over on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. There's much more to come just around the corner. Don't go too far. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking about silence, giving ourselves a little space here in this season of Lent as we're coming up towards the end of it. Uh, all of our scripture readings are moving us quickly toward the passion. We're, we're seeing an escalation of, of uh, activity in even as Christ is escalating in this activity, he's also, we see him going away to a quiet place. We see him going to the mountain of transfiguration. We see him calling the disciples away to, to a desolate place, uh, depending on the translation you're looking at. And we see Christ actively, in the midst of all of his busyness, actively pursuing silence. And so today, to help us explore that, we're talking with Sister Melissa Moxley. She's the Formation Directress for the Marian Sisters of the Diocese of Lincoln. Find out about them over at mariansisters.org. Sister Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so we, we have here Christ, uh, who is uh, very God, full man, full God, living out uh, this life in busyness. I mean, you, you look at the life of Jesus and he's always walking somewhere. He's always preaching. He's always doing. And, and yet, um, he makes time for this connection with the father. So just in the previous segment, we were talking about the things that y'all do, uh, as aspirants are coming postulants are coming in and being formed. There's a really, uh, imposed, quietness. You know, you lose the phone, you lose uh, a lot of that external connection that we're used to. You enter into a life that is dedicated to 
to prayer and to service. Mm-hmm. So there is busyness involved in that as well. But this is all about the, the imposition of silence. What do you do that helps create times of intentional entering into silence? What does the prayer life look like? What are the things, the practical uh, things that I can put on myself to take small steps into this interior quiet? Okay. For, so a typical, a typical day in the life of a marrying sister for our prayer life, basically, um, we all come to chapel for morning prayer pretty early, mm-hmm. um, very early. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyways, um, and we begin with morning prayer because as sisters and, and priests, we do promise to pray the liturgy of the hours. So we pray in the Psalms. Um, so we're praying the liturgy of the hours. And then after that, then we have time for meditation. And this is a time to really pray about the scriptures. Now you can use the scriptures for the day at mass, or if you have other scripture passages that you want to meditate on. Um, and we're really just um, spending that quiet time with our Lord and really entering into prayer. And then we have mass daily. Um, and then after mass, we'll have some time to pray afterwards. And then our whole huge busy schedule comes of like um, going to breakfast, doing dishes, People go out to their apostolates. But for us that are home, because um, I would say I'm like a stay-at-home sister <laughs> with, with the young ones. And um, so we do have, you know, where we can go to chapel quite often with Jesus right there. But mm-hmm. they have times where they can come in the mid of the morning and spend some time with Jesus around 11.45 or so. And some come for a little bit of adoration then. And then... One o'clock is a time that we also have some prayer time that that's our own personal time. And then we all come back for holy hour at around five. And then we have prayer again with liturgy of the hours. We can be praying our rosary um, again, opening scripture up. So it's like a holy hour right? Um, every day. And then of course we have like evening and night prayer. Mm-hmm. So but it's kind of spread out through the day. And then we have our own private personal devotions as well as the community um, prayers that we pray. So we pray the Stations of the Cross, the Rosary Daily, um, Examination of Conscience, um, and then all the major prayers, of course, all that I mentioned. Right. Um, so we kind of concluded, I bet it's about three or three and a half hours of prayer, just all kind of spread out throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Now, for someone who feels like they haven't entered a religious life, they have a different vocation, and exactly. they, they feel like their life is, is packed to the gills. You know, they, they don't know that they can fit anything else in, and yet this is something that's essential to our, our life. Just like we make time to eat, even if we're in a rush, uh, our spirits need to be fed every bit as much as, as our bodies do, and mm-hmm. we feed that through prayer and prayer is is uh you know it's not just us talking prayer in order for us to receive anything back from god uh requires a bit of silence so as you look at someone like me who who is a father uh, and has uh, that that vocation what are some small steps that you would encourage someone to take who may not be terribly comfortable with silence not, not so much even um, what kinds of prayer would you 
encourage, but what are the steps internally that will help me get comfortable with, with that quiet? Well, I'd actually probably start with, um, to, to just begin, I would start with trying to make beginning the day with some sort of prayer, Mm -hmm. just starting out fresh, um, at least like 10 or 15 minutes of just trying to call to mind God's presence. So just taking a few minutes to remind myself, okay, I'm in the Lord's presence. He is with me in me. Mm-hmm. And just taking that moment to recall that God is with me. Um, and then actually um, inviting the Lord to be with you. And then to start just as a, as a good friend the things that are on my heart, just to speak to him from my heart for about 15 minutes, you know, um, to just to start small. Right. But because really by the, I mean, there's lots of opportunities where we can pray and definitely we want to pray throughout the day. But if you're just beginning, I would recommend starting in the morning before all the many events begin. Because lots of times, all the rushing and all the things I have in my mind, it's really hard to detox mm-hmm. after all of it's happened. Many times at the end of the day, it takes like, for sometimes when we're I'm in holy hour, it takes me at least 15 minutes or more just to get calmed down yeah. before I can even enter into the prayer. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend actually just starting from the beginning, the get-go, when I'm before the day begins. Um, and then my next step would be, what are ways I can incorporate little bits of recalling God's presence more than just once or twice during the day, you know, just to have a little bit more there. Um, and then I would kind of take an inventory of how many hours a day do I spend <laughs> with Technology, being it, okay, the phone, the TV, the radio. Now, this is good. I like the radio <laughs> program. <laughs> um, uh, video games, um, you know, just take an inventory of how many hours a day do I spend on that. Right. And what things are necessary and what is really unnecessary. And how can I um, just take out a little bit of that more so I can put more God, put God, take time for God during that time that I would be on these kinds of things. If you're just joining us today, we're talking with Sister Melissa Moxley, Formation Directress of the Marian Sisters of the Diocese of Lincoln. Well, and this is something that we've talked about a few times here on the show is to regain an eternal perspective. Right. These things, the, the, the video game, the technology that are entertaining or maybe even informing. And yet, how much do they um, do they assist in the long game? You know, my my whole goal in life uh, is to end this life well. Right. And if that's the right. case, uh, are these little bits of technology helping me in that uh, or are they? Maybe they're not even actively a, a bad thing, but are they distracting me from what's truly important? I think, and I want to reiterate too that, you know, technology and media, all these things are actually good things. Mm-hmm. It's just having 
all in moderation. You know, what is a healthy balance? Mm-hmm. Why am I using it? What's the motive? Um, am I using it to escape right. something or am I using it for the right in the right ways? And you don't want always a too much of a good thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so just with healthy, healthy boundaries, health, just moderation to help me, um, use it appropriately. And then also, um, just not in extremes. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you would recommend starting that prayer first thing in the morning. I just want to echo that back because in those days that I do take the time, uh, to, to start off my morning in prayer, uh, even just real brief acknowledgement of the presence of God, uh, then all of a sudden I am more aware of God throughout my day. It's almost like giving God permission uh, to, to pop in and say hi, right? All, mm-hmm. uh, I'm driving down the road and uh, then listening, maybe listening to the radio, maybe just sitting in silence in the car trying not to get angry at the person who just cut me off. And, and God just kind of pops in and says, hi, I'm still here and drops a little thing. But maybe I, I read uh, some of the Psalms in the morning and one of those Psalms just comes back to me in the middle of the day. Whereas if I do that at night, it doesn't so much carry over into the next morning. It's something about first thing when that alarm goes off saying, open my lips and my mouth shall declare your praise, right? That, that thing from the, the, um, from the, from the office and to have just an invitation. And maybe that that's the first key is to give God an invitation to give you moments of silence because it's in that invitation that we don't get, it takes away some of the uncomfortability, you know, in a silent moment, rather than it feeling awkward, it's like, Oh yeah, I invited God to do this today. So I guess here we are. Yeah. And I, I would also say you might want to pick, I mean, I would start that way, but then as for you start getting more comfortable with it, Mm -hmm. you can add, okay, well maybe I'm going to do a holy hour this week, or maybe I'm going to, um, pray the rosary today. Um, so just taking little itty bitty steps and make doing little prayers, it'll start building spiritual stamina where then then you start desiring it and seeing how much freedom and peace and happiness enters your life. And then it gives you the energy to want more and be able to fit it more into your, your every day and not to be so afraid. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. We've been talking today with sister Melissa Moxley. She's the formation directress for the Marian sisters of the diocese of Lincoln. Go take a look at the work they're doing. Uh, if you are of the age, maybe this is an order you want to consider. Go look at maryandsisters.org, click on that vocation tab, and see the good work they're doing. Sister Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, too, for inviting me. There's more to our conversation with Sister Melissa available to all of our Patreon supporters. Go to outsidethewalls.com, click that Patreon link to hear her vocation story. It's fabulous. There's much more to come in our conversation right after this as we approach scripture and church history, exploring this concept of silence. Join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we've been talking about silence, exploring that concept with Sister Melissa Moxley, Formation Directress for the Marian Sisters of the Diocese of Lincoln. Go take a look at their website, www.mariansisters.org. Maybe you know someone who's of the age who's discerning religious life. Well, why don't you share this episode with them over on their social media? Uh, maybe post it on their Facebook wall or tag them, mention them in, in a Twitter tweet uh, and say to them, you know, I, I've noticed something about you and I, I really appreciate the way that, uh, that you have passion for the faith. And I was, I was just curious if you've ever considered entering uh, religious life, if you've ever considered being a sister. Uh, vocations start with us as, as we live uh, with those who are growing the faith and we, uh, we look to their example and we say, hey, you know what? I see something in you. Uh, uh, you may think I'm crazy, but I, I just want to plant this seed in your mind. And, and it's that process of planting seeds that, first of all, creates vocations, uh, but second of all, brings people into the, the fullness of their life. I became a Catholic because my cousin decided he was going to plant some seeds of curiosity, and, uh, and they grew to, to full fruition by me coming into full communion with the Catholic Church. And that's the same kind of thing that draws people into vocations is when you see something, uh, when you see a certain virtue growing in a person, say something, say something to them and let them know, because you may be the first person that's ever said such a thing to them, but you also may be the confirmation for uh, an internal wrestling that they've been dealing with. Sister Melissa talked to us a little bit about her own vocation story, and that's available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. Just go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link. It's a fantastic segment. Uh, So if you have the opportunity, please go take a look at that. Now let's turn our attention to our reading from Scripture and from church history. Uh, Today we're going to take the reading from this past Wednesday, and we're going to look at uh, the responsorial psalm because it, I think, fits with our, our topic today of entering into silence. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his works. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord is faithful in all his words and holy in all his works. The Lord lifts up all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord is just in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. The Lord is gracious and merciful. And that's the responsorial psalm from this past Wednesday. And I think that this is so important to us because if we do not trust in the character of God and we do not really fully comprehend his goodness, that he is gracious and merciful, we'll be too frightened to enter into silence. Because what if, what if God smacks me down? What if God points out all of my uh, hidden sins and, and just laughs at me and asks me to do the impossible? Well, that's not who God is. God asks us to do difficult things, yes, but he says, my, my burden is easy and my yoke is light, which means that if he asks us to do something, he's going to do most of the work. We talked about that as we talked uh, with uh, Joe Heschmeyer about what we can learn from Judas and what we can learn from Peter, is that, 
that when God calls us to something, he actually does the work for us if we will submit to him. Uh, And so if we trust that God actually truly really is gracious and merciful, then we're going to have the confidence, even if it may be halting, we're going to have the confidence to enter into uh, these opportunities of silence. Our reading from church history today comes from a homily by St. John Chrysostom. Prayer and converse with God is a supreme good. It is a partnership and union with God. As the eyes of the body are enlightened when they see light, so our spirit, when it is intent on God, is illumined by his infinite light. I do not mean the prayer of outward observance, but prayer from the heart, not confined to fixed times or periods, but continuous throughout the day and night. Our spirit should be quick to reach out toward God, not only when it is engaged in meditation, at other times also when it is carrying out its duties, caring for the needy, performing works of charity, giving generously in the service of others. Our spirit should long for God and call him to mind so that these works may be seasoned with the salt of God's love and so make a palatable offering to the Lord of the universe. Throughout the whole of our lives, we may enjoy the benefit that comes from prayer if we devote a great deal of time to it. Prayer is the light of the Spirit, true knowledge of God mediating between God and man. The Spirit, raised up to heaven by prayer, clings to God with the utmost tenderness. Like a child crying tearfully for its mother, it craves the milk that God provides. It seeks the satisfaction of its own desires and receives gifts outweighing the whole world of nature. Prayer stands before God as an honored ambassador. It gives joy to the spirit, peace to the heart. I speak of prayer, not words. It is the longing for God, love too deep for words, a gift not given by man, but by God's grace. The Apostle Paul says, We do not know how we are to pray, but the Spirit himself pleads for us with inexpressible longings. When the Lord gives this kind of prayer to someone, he gives him riches that cannot be taken away, heavenly food that satisfies the Spirit. One who tastes this food is set on fire with an eternal longing for the Lord. His spirit burns as in a fire of the utmost intensity. Practice prayer from the beginning. Paint your house with the colors of modesty and humility. Make it radiant with the light of justice. Decorate it with the finest gold leaf of good deeds. Adorn it with the walls and stones of faith and generosity. Crown it with the pinnacle of prayer. In this way, you will make it a perfect dwelling place for the Lord. You will be able to receive him as in a splendid palace. And through his grace, you will already possess him, his image enthroned in the temple of your spirit. That reading comes to us from a homily by St. John Chrysostom, Bishop. And this is something we didn't talk a whole lot about today, but this is the the idea that our prayer is not necessarily always accompanied by words. There have been saints uh, in abundance who have talked to us about uh, just sitting in silence with God and letting our, our soul reach out for him and to connect to him 
in a way that, that goes beyond what we can express. And this is the prayer that isn't concerned with, uh, with our own needs or the needs of someone else. These are not petitions, but this is truly a heart longing that just reaches out to, to feel God's presence and to be with God's presence, to commune with God, to say, I am yours and, and you are mine. And this, I think, is ultimately the, the kind of prayer that God most desires. You know, you see throughout the Old Testament, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And, and he says this in a way that expresses his longing for the children of Israel to be his. And that same expression comes to us today where God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And Lent is this opportunity for us to turn our gaze back to Christ and say, God, you have been our God, but, but I've not been your people very well. And so I, I'm going to cut things out of my life. I'm going to do penance. I'm going to enter into silence. I'm going to, to do an examination of conscience so that I can turn to you this Easter as we go through uh, the the passion of Christ, going through Good uh, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, and finally to Easter. As we walk through what Christ suffered for us, when we get to the end of that, to that glorious day of Easter, we can turn to you and say, yes, you are my God, and I am yours. We are your people. We, as the community of faith, we're yours. We belong to you, and we will uh, give our fiat to you. Yes, let it be done to me, Lord, Heavenly Father. Let it be done to me according to your word. Even if that looks frightening and even if that's uncomfortable, let it be done to me according to your word because I know you to be a faithful God. I know that you are kind and merciful. I know that you're faithful in all your words and holy in all your works. So let it be done to me according to your word. Now, these are hard things to say, and they're, they're even harder things to mean. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And so I, I want to invite you, if you have something that you specifically want prayed for, come on over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. I'm getting a lot more active on Twitter now. Over on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Tag me. Give me your prayer request. Uh, I go every week on Thursday to adoration. I'm going to take your prayer requests with me. Next week, we've got a great show as we come uh, the, right before Palm Sunday. I mean, we're just, we're right at Holy Week. It's here. We're going to be talking with Elizabeth Scalia, and we're going to talk about a book she wrote last year called Little Sins Mean a Lot, Kicking Our Bad Habits Before They Kick Us. It's going to be a fantastic conversation. Go ahead and, and share it with your friends. Let them know that something big is coming. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Drs. Michael and Julie Highland and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to Outside the Walls, click that Patreon link, join their numbers and get cool stuff in the process. Join the ongoing conversation this week over on social media. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.